Hello there, welcome to the podcast Sport and Life, Tuesday the 10th of November, balmy November day. It's clouded over slightly now, but very warm and sunny this morning in the west of England here in Cheltenham, so not counterintuitively. Thank you for hitting on the button. Thank you to the sponsors, Bang & Olufsen of Cheltenham and Serene AV, specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands, providing solutions based around high quality customer service and installations. I presume the store has to be closed at the moment in Montpellier in the courtyard there in Cheltenham. But Jason Breeds and his team contactable via the social media B&O Cheltenham uh, on Instagram and Twitter and the website, of course, get numbers and you can get a bespoke plan and a kind of idea or creation of, of what a home entertainment system could be for you or just a simple piece of equipment, whatever you're looking for as we're spending again more time at home, aren't we? I know the lockdown's not quite as severe as the spring, but uh, certainly some good music is always a good antidote to the stresses around us at the moment. Of course, optimizing our immunity at the moment is key. Uh, well, it's always key, isn't it? Trying to be healthy, but particularly in the, the context of COVID-19 and the pandemic, uh, I believe firmly under the tutelage of my father in Cytoplans food supplements, food-based supplements, I should say, um, come in kind of pill form, but based on, on foods in terms of the way they're digested. It's a company not far from here outside of Malvern called Hanley Swan. And if you want 10% off their food-based supplements, particularly you might be interested in the Immune Complete range. They've just released a new supplement that I've actually ordered and paid for. <laughs> By the way, I don't, I don't have to pay for the supplements. I paid for it uh, yesterday. It's coming anytime now. Immune Complete too, as I'm an adult man, in, in theory. I may not behave like an adult all the time, but that's um, the theory. And Immune Complete range with uh, loads of good stuff in there. Selenium, zinc, vitamin D as we head into winter. If you're in the States, you call it vitamin D, but I guess if you're in the northern parts of the United States of America or Canada, you'd want want to bolster that aspect as well of the health. But if you go to cytoplan.co.uk, C-Y-T-O-P-L-A-N.co.uk, my discount code is Draper10R, D-R-A-P-E-R, numbers one zero and then the capital letter R. Right, fascinating podcast now if you're from this area or just a student of journalism, someone's interested in the evolution of the media because Mark Halliwell graduated, I believe, in 1989, he says in this podcast. He's a, a local journalist, a dutiful beat journalist in it, in the sense that is a dying breed in lots of ways. He started in the southwest of England, moved up to Cheltenham. He's been covering this part of the world for a long time, seeing the rise of, of Cheltenham Town into the Football League and Forest Green Rovers and uh, some checkered times where we talk about Gloucester City, another local football club and their rise, and Gloucester Rugby Club as well. And we touch upon the, the race the race club here as well, the uh, Cheltenham Racecourse, just outside of uh, outside of the town centre. It's a fascinating talk about the, the effect the internet has had on the evolution of, of media and kind of the race to the bottom in terms of trying to get attention and how not charging for content at the start for newspapers has almost been their undoing because people expect it free where we used to pay for it. Just to get our local paper... And he talks about the numbers here. A lot of people used to buy local papers in this area and around the country, around the world, to get that sense of community. And perhaps we miss that now as well because we just get local, we get pages on social media from the local papers online offering, which they're not making enough money off to employ journalists. So then the quality suffers and then perhaps we're less likely to go. So it's a bit of a cycle and we're, we're talking about that. But on the optimistic front that maybe subscription models like The Athletic are a way forward. But it's a, it's a, a guy that I've, I've met uh, in the past as well. I met him at a pre-season event for Cheltenham Town last season. I believe Mark bumped into him and also uh, just followed his work online on Twitter. Look up Mark Halliwell on social media and he commentates for BBC Gloucestershire as well on Cheltenham Town. But he is a Watford fan, initially hailing uh, from Watford, which I believe is in Hertfordshire. He'd kill me if I got that wrong, but it's uh, it's just outskirts of outside of London, I should say. He doesn't like it bit saying it's in London. But it is uh, the one and only Mark Halliwell. And here we are, we're recording. Mark Halliwell, welcome to the podcast. How are you today? I'm good, thank you, Ed. How are you? Yeah, very well. It's quite surreal, actually. I'm just looking at my watch. It's November the 10th, and it's, it feels like it's May out there, doesn't it? It's very warm and sunny. I guess we have yeah, to appreciate beautiful. it. It looks good out there. It's a lot raining for once, which is always good. Yeah, fantastic. And it was, it's good to speak to you because um, I know you're a kind of a thread that's connected. A couple of, of guys mm. had on the podcast, John Palmer and Ash, yeah. Ash Longridge recently as well that you've worked with and you're sort of a yeah. stalwart of the local Gloucestershire sports scene haven't you has it been well, 30 years or so that you've been involved well, 30 years I've done 30 years in local newspapers as a whole um, yeah. I started uh, up here I started on the the citizen the Gloucester citizen 1997 wow. so uh, it's been a bit patchwork since then um, 
three redundancies since in that time and wow. numerous other near misses so that but that shows how the industry's changed because you know back in back in sort of you know, the the 80s and 90s when i started and you know you you never thought that sort of thing would happen because mm. you know and but since then i mean 2008 i had my first redundancy and since then i must be in double figures for either being made redundant or going close to it and wow. and that just shows now the precarious nature of the industry and how it's become more so over those years yeah it's it's a difficult one because people ask me about pursuing journalism and, and when i was at college 15 years ago we were sort of predicting the effect of, of the internet largely on obviously yeah. local papers and things like that but mm. now we're in the, the midst of the, the, the eye of the storm i think in in lots of ways and it's you know we've got so many platforms and there's so much competition and i yeah. suppose when you came into this 30 years ago thinking about the history of it papers were probably the most stable form of media yeah. had them for a couple well, of hundred years hadn't we and it's yeah. it was hard to imagine this when did you sort of notice that the grounds were sort of shifting a little bit was it the late 90s or early 2000s yeah i mean i remember sort of yeah it was around the sort of late 90s really when i mean my first job i, I started 1989 i started on my first paper mm. and uh, i had a typewriter <laughs> wow <laughs> yeah he did, did not, not an abstract i had a typewriter and um there were guys in the back room there were massive great boards and you you mm. put your stories and they come out on bromide and they go and you go and stick them on this baseboard and they wow. call you out and they say oh this story is a bit over and you're out there and and the, the page would be made up on the massive great pasteboard and you'd have and you'd have to literally tell them you weren't allowed to touch it because print unions oh my goodness mm. in those days no <laughs> You weren't allowed to touch the bromide or to touch the board. If you did that, they'd all walk out. Simple wow. as that. Wow. And I was told this when I started, and it was like, oh, my goodness me. So you'd go in there, and you'd, and you'd, you'd say to them, yeah, take that sentence out or take that paragraph out. And they'd actually do it with a scalpel. Mm. And then they'd reset the, the bromide up and, until it fitted. And it wow. was, I mean, it was incredible. It was incredible. And then to go from that to where we are now is is unbelievable really mm. in, in what 30 years is is quite amazing but no w when it comes to the internet i'd say yeah late 90s when i was at the citizen and uh, this is gloucestershire.co.uk was was launched mm. but overall overall it's plain to say and this is this is my, my opinion is that newspapers got it wrong from the start they got really? it wrong from the start yeah because they didn't charge they didn't put a paywall up from yes. the start yeah they started giving, they gave it all away for free yes and once you gave it all away for free there was no going back the horse mm. had already bolted so everybody knew that they could just go onto the internet and get all the stories and get the stuff and get the information for free and mm. they didn't need to buy the newspapers and and from then on you know yeah because i don't think i don't think people then in the 90s quite worked out how this was going to pan out Mm. It was a hassle, wasn't it? Getting online yeah. was a bit of a hassle with dial-up oh, and everything like that. Oh, yeah. oh, big time. Oh, it was horrible. We used to hate it. It was a, mm. oh, I've got to put it online. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, to get three, three readers on oh, there, yeah, whatever. Yeah, it would take about four hours to get one story online, you know, and, and it would be so, so time-consuming. And, uh, you know, and but it, it, it killed it, it killed a lot of what we did, as I say, mm. because... I mean, Ash mentioned in his podcast to me about the pink, the pink that we used to do, the, yes. the Saturday evening paper, which you know was just unbelievable. I mean, if I look back at it, I look back over the thirty years, and that is, that was my pride and joy. Really, that was the sort of thing that I'm most proud of. Mm. And it, it's remarkable, really, that I still have people sometimes come up to me and say, "Why don't they bring the pink back? Why can't we have the pink back?" And I'm thinking, well, hmm. Because that was that was holistic sort of one years ago. Shop. I think it was about it was about two thousand four. I think when it, yeah when it stopped. But that was a one stop shop for all local Gloucestershire sports. Oh, so you could get that. You could get you know, any level yeah. of up down to Sunday, yeah. sort of like Saturday morning, Sunday morning, and football. Was it? That's right. As well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we used to. I mean, it was thirty two pages normally. Wow. And there used to be like features. So we'd have features on all sorts of clubs going all the way down football and rugby. We had all the skittles results were in there we used to have the five aside at bentham 
dome with results from that used to be in there. Mm. Uh, we used to have netball reports, we used to have youth football reports, we'd have all sorts of things in there. And we had this, <laughs> this thing, it was unbelievable. We had a horse tipsters competition. <laughs> really? Yeah. The local local was, Yeah, what used to happen was we used to have we used to we used to employ three young lads who used to come in at, and and girls at times you know sort of mm. different ones used to come in at nine o'clock in the morning they'd come in and yeah. you'd have yeah. people phoning up from pubs clubs cl rugby clubs football clubs just <laughs> people saying and they'd pick a horse and it yeah. was a and it was a, an imaginary ten pound win bet okay and so if that horse won uh, say ten to one they got. 100 quid credited not real money but you know just just credited oh, really? onto their scores. <laughs> and we had nine divisions of about 40 people doing this wow wow so for three hours on a saturday morning they'd be taking these phone calls and then on a monday morning it was one of my colleagues uh steve minor who used to, to used to look after that it was his job then he used to put the tables together Mm. We used to have a tipster of the week, you'd get a betting voucher. We used to have a tipster of the month, you'd get a betting voucher. And if we got the tables wrong, we got more phone calls about that than anything else. Mm. Oh my goodness me. You got one of the tables wrong? Oh my goodness me, they'd be on the phone straight away. But, you, got, you got me wrong. I, I should be on this. You got me on this. Imagine it's, it's hard enough to get your best friends to make a phone call now, but getting so many members of the public to make a phone call in those well, incredible indeed. words that help people change. Yeah, and we used to have the same, and then the same set of set of guys or girls would come back again at, at five o'clock, uh, uh, quarter five, and ring around the clubs for the results <laughs> for the football and, for the football and rugby results. Yeah, and we used to, and then we used to have we used to have reports on Gloucester Rugby, Cheltenham Town, Forest Green, Gloucester City. Um, Ash used to do our reports for Shortridge United back in those days. Uh, we had another lad called Michael Reeves who later came to work on the sports desk. Uh, we used to do Tuffley Rovers. He started doing it when he was 15 years old. Tuffley Rovers. <laughs> wow. So, <laughs> no, where's Tuffley Rovers? What league are they in? Is that a Saturday? Tuffley Rovers are Hellenic League now. Yeah. Yeah. Hellenic League Premier Division. And we and we used to have, to have all that wrapped up by half past five. Mm. Yeah. And we used to call Amazing. it, it was like, we used to call it the weekly miracle. And it was, <laughs> but the problem was, the problem we had was getting it to where people wanted to buy it. it mm. The distribution, the, that was that was the problem that we had, you know. The news agents, supermarkets, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. But you know, trying to get it to places where they used to be, but you know, people used to buy it. I mean, it used to sell. I mean, the, I think the best sale we ever had was the day Gloucester beat Munster in the European Champions Cup. Mm. We sold nine thousand copies. Wow. That's and pretty good, for a paper yeah. that was only selling, I mean, the evening paper at the time was selling twenty. 25 to 30 so pro rata of that i think i think at one time pro rata to the sale of the week to the, uh, the nightly paper we yeah. were the best selling we were the best selling pink and we were the only pink that was centered on rugby because of gloucester yes yeah all the, others, club, all the yeah. others were centered on all the others were centered on football yeah it's well, it's, a, it's a perverse part of the world in that sense isn't it i've talked mm. about on the podcast before that we've got the the race course and the, and the rugby oh, yeah. club and, and football almost plays third fiddle to to those two mm. which is very unusual no. for the rest of england but but what but it's interesting when you, when you look at that so 25 to thirty thousand people is that were buying a, the evening paper is that right yeah yeah. Incredible. That's a big portion of the local population as well, isn't it? Yeah. What's Cheltenham, no, 100,000? It, it I, mean, I mean, when I was down in Plymouth, I started down there and the, the evening at the Herald down in Plymouth was selling, you know, 30,000, 40,000 copies. And, you know, it was because what we used to do, I mean, this is another thing mm. that people these days won't understand. We have four or five editions a day. Wow. So we'd start, we'd start in the morning. We'd have, we'd like, our first edition would go about nine o'clock in the morning. Mm. For the, so for the citizen we had so we had nine o'clock in the morning then at ten o'clock we'd have a stroud edition so they changed some of the front pages of the <laughs> newspapers for, for, for stroud stories mm. uh then um and i could change the back page if i wanted if i had a decent sports story from stroud i'd, I'd take the gloucester one off and put a stroud one on there um then going forward you had uh, the city edition at two o'clock so you could get lunchtime cricket in in the summer oh what the lunchtime scores <laughs> yeah 
fantastic. Yeah, you get, we used to have a lunchtime Gloucestershire cricket report in the paper. At, uh, in, in, and then at four o'clock in the afternoon, you'd have what's called the City Final Edition. Yeah. And we used to use the stop press and we'd have the tea time score. Fantastic. It's, am it's amazing, isn't it? And people would read that and love it. And sometimes you'd read, I remember reading old news when I was a kid and you sort of still enjoy it in a sense, even if it was like yeah. two or three days out and it's a different perspective. But that half past five on a Saturday, that you had to get it done by half past five, but that was to go to yeah. the printers for Sunday morning. And was that going out that, no, that, was going that out would go out that night. night? That would go out that night. Okay, fantastic. That would go out that night. People could go to, people could go to supermarkets, could go to petrol stations or wherever. Mm. buy it at um, so seven o'clock at night they could buy it at seven o'clock at night and read, and read the report of that day's, of that yeah. day's game. what would you have thought if someone had said to you just the immediacy of, of the current moment that you can write a report and then you, i think the company you work for i believe is called local world media which kind well, of says PLC, it all but plc is, but, is 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 the company now yeah mm. but someone can read your piece you know you can put it out instantaneously and someone can read it across the, the world yeah. in alaska or africa or somewhere can't it? That's, uh, it's a phenomenal it's, change what would you have made of that as a young man if someone had told you that incredible would never have would never have thought that would never have thought that would be possible to be honest mm. would never have thought that was that would be possible i mean the, the 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 good thing was i remember um with that what we're talking about with that um those editions i remember forest green um, Frank Gregan was manager of Forest Green and he'd taken them all the way up from uh, the Southern League, Southern Division, through the Premier Division into the conference, which was wow. unbelievable at the time. Mm. And uh, this is, you know, pre-Dale Vince's time, you know, it's just sort of, you know, when they first went into the conference, because when they came out of the conference, they were the longest serving team in it. And really? uh, at that time, yeah. And so they'd come up, came up through it. And uh, I remember one day, it was about... Uh, nine o'clock in the morning or something and they'd lost lost on they'd lost on the saturday and my forest green reporter um gabby lewis she came in and she said to me i think they're going to sack frank i said Ooh. right okay and this was nine o'clock in the morning i thought right you've got an hour mm. before the shroud edition goes can we get it can we get it in can we get it firmed up by then so she was on the phone blah, 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 blah. i think it was about quarter to ten and she said yep yeah, this happened yep yeah, definitely mm. We can do it. I said, okay, we'll go with it. Stuck it on the back page, and in about 10 minutes flat, boom, 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 done, gone. Oh, <laughs> and, wow, uh, wow. So yeah. it, 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 he, had been, he had been sacked, hadn't he? Because that was the jeopardy yeah. in those days, wasn't it? Yeah. He got it wrong, oh, he had been, been. out, yeah, out no, physically, no, he, yeah. Yeah, he had been. And, and, but the adrenaline was incredible, and that's, mm. that's what it was. It was same, on, same with the pink on a Saturday night. The adrenaline was, you know, it was... Mm. It was it was really uh, it was really going and you know you had to try and keep you calm and keep you cool with it all and sometimes it didn't you know didn't always work that way yeah you know you lose your rag sometimes and get get a bit frustrated and things like this i mean you know this was the days when we were able to put race cards in the paper for that day yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. we'd have a race card in the paper you know the rate the, the for example the race cards would come in you know at 11 o'clock in the morning yeah. so we were able to change up the edition and put and put and put a put a race card in the paper for the following you know the following day's racing so you know it opened out oh look there's tomorrow's run at kelso or whatever yeah um, yeah it, it such a it was interesting reading the local paper you had a sort of like say you read stuff that you wouldn't normally now on the internet it's very much you go to where you want to go and, and in a way like we talk about echo chambers on social media i think in some ways mm. you you sort of narrow your horizons or can do from a sporting perspective because you don't mm. have that paper which you just read everything in it typically you just sort of sit with it have a cup of tea and you, and you go through and it give you a rounded mm. rounded appreciation i mean that is that is it that 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 adrenaline rush you don't think is the same now as that pressure that pressure as i think ash told no. me about getting it out to to the press agency getting it online it's not the same same sense is it because i suppose it's not the same sense of physical achievement you don't see it as much no no i mean no i don't i don't think there is i mean i used to you know I remember I used to, um, you know, you, you'd, I, I used to, you, you'd go on the bus, say, to and from work or something. Mm. And I remember once sitting there on a bus and the guy in front of me was reading the back page of the paper and it was my story that he was reading. <laughs> and I'm thinking, to, and I remember the first time that happened and I thought, wow, yeah. he's reading my story, you know, he's, and, you know, and he was like, you could tell, you know, it wasn't like, oh, turn turn over the page to something else. He was actually reading it and you know, just you could see him like pouring over every word of it. And you think, 
wow and, you know and, that, and that that's when it sort of comes home really you know and you know i'm tempted to tap him on the shoulder and go I wrote that. you know I wrote that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah but, but i tell you what as well and, and the big thing as well growing up i was uh, i went to the chase high school in malvern we moved i was originally yeah. from malvern and and we had the malvern gazette and mm. malvern wanderers which was a boys team football and you'd always yeah. be looking for a mention because I think it was one of our dads would write a report for them or something like that and it would go in the paper the next week and, you'd all, and that was like the biggest thing and even now it's that kind of nostalgia for that moment if yeah. I was local paper you'd feel yeah. sense of, of, because it's among your peers isn't it everyone you know yeah. everyone's family's reading that and there was a real a sense of excitement when that paper came out if you knew someone or you'd been mentioned in it yeah I mean, I, I, I still got some of my cuttings from my very first stuff, you know, because when, yeah. when, when I started off, you know, you're really keen and you think, right, yeah, boy, I'm going to keep cuttings books and I'm going to do it. So yeah. I've got cuttings books from like 19, you know, 1989, 1990, and it sort of stops around 1992 when I think, well, what the hell am I doing this for? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we had to keep, so you had to keep cuttings got... for jobs, didn't you? Even when I started, I had yeah. to keep cuttings. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I've still got some of my, my, some of my really early stuff. You know, which I which I did sort of around eighty nine, sort of ninety when I was covering. So I started off my first job. I was covering Exeter City and Torquay United. Wow! For a paper called the Sunday Independent down in Devon, and that was and that was a that was you know football league that, clubs at the time were they at that time? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, the, my first season covering Exeter, they won the fourth division title. Oh, fantastic! Uh, under the management of Terry Cooper, mm. and who's, of course. His son Mark is now manager of Portsmouth Rovers, <laughs> and I mean, I, I got to know Mark then. Mark was playing in the in the Forest Green youth team, uh, sorry, the Exeter youth team at the time. So uh, I got to know Mark quite well. Uh, people, it, it, it's a it's a sort of well trodden path in a bizarre way. That M five, I think about people like Jamie Curiton, Gary Johnson, mm. the manager. It seems like mm. they're they're similar markets for for, for yeah. managers and coaches, and for I guess journalists. Is it a similar beat? Do yeah. You think? To that southwest yeah i mean i mean i come from Cheltenham anyway I, I moved here when i was 10 years old so you know this mm. is my sort of my manner so to speak um i was, I was born I was you're born a watford fan aren't you as well i am a watford i was born in watford you see that's why uh, I, I, was, I was born in watford i was born just uh, a goal kick away from from vicarage road and that's my so that's where i sort of started watching football. yeah i moved away we moved away in 1977 so i was about 10 years old when we came to Cheltenham and uh, Cool. 1977 was the time you know, some bloke called Graham Taylor got appointed at Watford and wow. they, weren't in, they weren't in Division 4 anymore. Yeah. I, remember coming, <laughs> I remember coming here and going to, I remember the first time went to, when I went to school, mm. you know, and there was all, all the kids were like, oh, you know, and all that, all, you know, we played football and, uh, at like break time and all that. And they said, oh, who do you support? Who do you support? And then, you know, they're expected to say Man United or Liverpool or something. Uh, yeah, it's a, weird, it's a weird patch, isn't it? This part of the world because people often support bigger clubs because it's not. Oh a, yeah, there's a lot of yeah, there's a lot there's a lot of Villa fans around here. There's mm. a lot of Bristol you know, City, maybe. Of, yeah, yeah, Villa, Bristol City, quite a few Swindon fans, Bristol Rovers, mm. West Brom. Apart from all the obviously, top top you know. Tottenham fans as well, I've noticed quite a few Tottenham fans. Yeah, yeah, I know, yeah, I know. I've got some very good friends who are Tottenham fans. Um, yeah, and you. But yeah, I said, oh, I'm a Watford fan. They're like, who? <laughs> and, and then, then they five found that. Yeah. Well, five years later, they were top of Division One. So uh, everybody, everybody knew who they were then. It, yeah, it was, how, did it, how did it feel being a Watford fan when Graham Taylor had to spell with England? Because he got vilified, didn't he? But he, must, he was just a sort of yeah. legend of Watford. Well, I was, uh, one, of my, one of my best journalistic moments was actually when I got to meet him and interview him. Um, mm. I was... I was working down in Cornwall, and mm. they and they were going to hold a beach soccer tournament on oh, Fistral nice. Beach in, on Fistral Beach in Newquay, mm. and they got Graham Taylor to launch it. Oh wow! And I was sent down to Fistral Beach, and I got to meet Graham Taylor, and he was England manager at the time. And mm. um, I'm thinking, what the hell is the England manager doing, <laughs> kicking a football on Fistral Beach in Newquay? And uh, so now I got to I got to meet Graham Taylor and interview him. It's one of my greatest moments. It's a lovely guy, wasn't he? I think he was harshly oh, from what people say. Unbelievable. I mean, you know, and I was talking to him about England, and I, and, and he sort of said to me, "So oh, who do you?" Did? And I hadn't told him. He said, "Oh, who do you support?" I said, "I was born in Watford, sport Watford." He went. <gasps> <laughs> and his eyes just lit up and went, oh well there we go yeah and then we spent about the next half an hour i turned the i turned the microphone off and the the, the uh, dictaphone off and just sat there and talked to him about half an hour about 
Luther Blissett, John Barnes, Watford, Nigel Callaghan. Oh, uh, yeah. The 84, yeah. the 84 Cup final and Europe and all that sort of stuff. Just, yeah. They're all good, all good people, aren't they? It seems like John Barnes is a good guy. I know I've met Luther Blissett as well. It seems like there was I a... Met Luther Blissett. I got to meet Luther Blissett. This is another weird one. I was covering Morecambe v Cheltenham mm. in a League <laughs> 2 game. And after the game, this bloke came up to the, to the sort of press area. He was yeah. talking to BBC Radio Lancashire. And I looked at him. And I thought, well, looks like Luther Blissett. I said to Pete Matthews, who does the, who usually he and I do the commentary on 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 BBC. And I looked at him. And I said, Luther Blissett there? And he went. Yeah. And <laughs> so so nice, isn't it? So laid back. Yeah. And I got and I got and I, and I you know I got a photo with him because they were doing. He was actually playing in a charity match at Malcolm's yeah. Ground the following day, and that's what he was there to 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 publicise. But I mean, Watford's, Watford's rise is a bit similar to, to me, is a bit similar to Cheltenham's because I started watching Cheltenham mm. in 1980. Yeah. My first Cheltenham game. They were in the Southern League. Wow. Clouds of 200 odd. Yeah. And if they, again, if somebody had said to me, you know, in 77, or oh, Watford will be in Division One in five years' time. Yeah, <laughs> right. Then somebody said to me, oh, in, in 20 years' time, Cheltenham will be in the Football League. And I went, no, how, how has that happened then? Is that more people moving to the area, bigger fan base, um, or just the, the people well, being in the club? Cheltenham getting into the football league—it was a perfect storm, really. I mean, because mm. in those in those early times, the sort of nineteen eighties when I started watching them, you know, mm. if we got a thousand people in the ground, it was an event. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, wow! You know, we got to the fourth qualifier round of the FA Cup. I remember we played uh, Dorchester. In the FA Cup, we got to the fourth qualifying round of the FA Cup. We played Dorchester Town. They were good. They were a good side. They had Trevor Senior up front, 17 uh, years old. Trevor yeah. Senior. Man, wow. Just before he moved to Reading. Mm. They beat us 3 1. He scored a hat trick. <laughs> and um, we, and there was about 11 or 1200 people in the ground. And you thought, wow, wow this, is, this is amazing. You know, and you know, it, it, we, had a, we had a run of years where we reached the fourth qualifying round of the Cup. And couldn't quite get to the first round. We did, and we played Wolves away in the FA Cup. Mm. And you know, it's a little-known fact that Steve Bull scored his first hat trick for Wolves against Cheltenham Town. Really? What a that's <laughs> yeah. a that's a sort of uh, an hour goal, goal distinction. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, and, and we got and then we got into the conference in the mid '80s. John Murphy's team. John Murphy's now director. He was manager at the time. He mm. got us promoted to the to the conference at the time in sort of '84, '85. And we got relegated again in the sort of early nineties. Yeah, and because you see, when Cheltenham got when Cheltenham got promoted, Cheltenham had never been like a big fish in non-league. You know? Yeah, yeah. They were, you know, at that time, you know, the big fishes in non-league were Yeovil, Altrincham, mm. Enfield, Wealdstone, Barnet, Telford. Mm. You know, they were the sort of clubs that you'd see on the telly knocking teams out of the AFA Cup mm. in the sort of eighties and eighties and so. And then when Cheltenham got God, I mean, it was the perfect storm, really, of Steve Cotterell, Paul Baker, yeah, and the group and the group of players that that they got together, and uh, and that was the sort of you know the, the fact that those players got Cheltenham up to the football league, yeah, and up again, and many of those players who've been playing in the Southern League, you know, Chris Banks, mm-hmm. Jason Eaton, played not not Jason Eaton, he he. He couldn't, he couldn't carry on, sorry, but Chris Banks and Jamie Victory and people like that yeah. played in the Southern League and played in League One as well. That, that's, that's, well, that's an incredible rise, isn't it? Yeah, to, to the yeah. Third, third tier of English football, League One, ultimately. But it, it's, it was a big call around that time, wasn't it, for a lot of the guys. Mm. I spoke to Andy Tucker, who runs the soccer schools around Chelsea. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's, he yeah. made the call, I think, not to go professional because he had a business. Mm. I think a lot of yeah. people had a big decision to make. And I, I guess we're thinking that at the moment as well with the, the stress around the League Two football with no fans being allowed mm. in. I suppose we're, we're wondering, you know, I speak to people who say actually semi-professional is probably better for, for footballers at the moment. At that level, it's a difficult one, isn't it? And it, was a, it was a big decision for those guys to commit themselves yeah. to football. No, it was. I mean, Jason Eaton was one he'd scored. He scored the winning goal in the trophy final 1998. Mm. For Cheltenham at Wembley when we beat Southport in the final, and uh, you know, and he he had to make that decision not to go not to go with us into mm. the football league because he, he had a career, did he? We oh. managed a gym in ah. Bristol. He was the manager of a gym in Bristol, so he had a really good um, 
a really good uh, a really good job, a really good well paid job. So you know, mm. and you know, it didn't really make. I don't think it made financial sense for him to uh, to do it. I mean, he went on to play for he went to play for Forest Green, he went to play for Bath City, he played you know, and uh, mm. well, you see him now, and he's still looks as fit as a butcher's dog, and <laughs> can probably still do a job. Still yeah. doing a job for the front, you know, and he's somebody who scored like hundred odd goals for Cheltenham and in, in those days bringing yeah. it up from the Southern League and the and the, and the conference. And it's just a shame that they couldn't all, you know, make that jump, you know. They'd all mm. they'd all work so hard to get the club there and they not all of them could then, could yeah. then make that make that jump up. But you know it's it's, it's, uh, a, it's, a, it's a challenging life outside of a pandemic for a low league footballer though, isn't it? Mm. The Ben I think Ben Smith journeyman book, which is fascinating yeah. about how you get moved on after the age of twenty five mm. and the salaries mm. are no means huge. I mean they're you know yeah. probably uh I guess, a, a teacher's wage, but you've not got 30, 40 years of it. You've got, you know, 10, 15 years yeah. at best, haven't yeah. you? So it's a, it's a yeah. difficult call in a way to commit yourself at that level. And it's, and, and it's so, uh, it's piecemeal as well, isn't it? Because, mm. you know, you get one-year contract here, two-year contract here, one-year contract here, and, you know, there's no guarantee that once your contract is up and Club X has said to you, mm. sorry, can't, can't, uh, can't keep you on, Guarantee that Club Y is going to pick the phone up and mm. say, you know, do you want to come here or do you want to want, you know? And then it's also all the moving about, isn't it? You know, you've got yeah. to, you've got to put that in. You know, you'd be playing for Exeter City, and then the only phone call you could get was from Grimsby Town or something. <laughs> you know, and you think, yeah. So, so you go home and say to to this footballer, yeah. You know, Fancy moving to Grimsby, love. You know, <laughs> a lot. You, you end up doing a lot of travel. A lot of the guys once to get to sort of 28, 29, spend a lot of time in travel lodges, as far as I understand mm. it, because they, you know, they, they set up a family one place and they just move to to train yeah. in the week and, and play games and then go home at the weekend. That's what, and that's the that's the thing that the supporters don't always see. Yeah, you know, the thing that's, that the supporters don't always see, and you know, you get things like oh, no, like when players leave, you know, when players. When players' contracts are up and they don't sign, they don't sign a new one when it's offered, and they go and play for another club. And you think to yourself, well, you know, and then you get oh Judas and all this <laughs> stuff coming out. But yeah, you know, it's like you, Ed. You know, if um, I don't know if ESPN came on the phone and said, Mr. Draper, we'd like to offer you twice your money that you're on at Sky Sports. <laughs> No, yeah. You're not going to say, mm, oh, what do I do? What do I do? Yeah, well, there's also there's, <laughs> there is a, there is a slight perception, not that I'm on a bad wage, but there is a perception that we owe more than we get. And actually, you're right that that was probably a significant. Yeah. And it's a slightly, in journalism, as you know, is almost equivalent in the sort of precariousness, isn't yeah. it? There's less, there's less clubs yeah. that you do. You almost have to jump from stepping stone to stepping stone, like you were saying before, yeah. when, when those opportunities come. I mean, uh, you know, with, with, I was, I was, I, I, I've, been, I've been very, very lucky. As I said, I've had three redundancies. Mm. But each time that's happened, I've been quite fortunate that something has come along. Yeah. You know, I remember the first, well, the first one, 2008, I, um, when I left the, uh, the Citizen and Echo, I, I, uh, I decided to go out on my own and just see what I could, what I could well, what do. did they say to you at that point, Mark? Was it just that you'd got a senior, seniority that meant you That one, that one was, or... that one was the hardest one because, you know, um, that wasn't. Uh, it was. It was a difficult one because there were things going on. I had personal things going on as well, and mm. it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't a good time really for me around then. And um, I. Um, but I was a bit annoyed because it was put out that it was my decision to go. Really. And I felt that I was. I was. A, I was stabbed in the back a little bit, not by colleagues or anything like that, but by. By people above the people system, above. The yeah, company, yeah, just by people above, really. I, I felt a bit stabbed in the back then, and um, and I, but I decided then to go out on my own, and of course, that's when the big uh, 2008 oh, there's a, oh, there there's a world, economic, yeah. there's a world economic crash <laughs> going on. When I started put, trying to build my career in, in commercial radio at the time, and that, that hit everything hard, yeah, that was a, that was a good decision, oh, yeah, dear, uh, yeah. But I managed to get then so and that's when I started off and I, I just I basically what I did is I wrote a letter to every news organisation I could think of within about a forty mile radius. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So here I am, you know, and I managed to scrape a living together for about eighteen months. Good. And Great then time. I thought, right, I need to get a job here, and I got a job uh, at Bristol, 
uh, in, right. a, in, a, in there was a subbing hub when we used to produce all basically the Echo, the Citizen, the Bristol Post, the Western Daily Press, all those rather mm. like you do now, actually. And, <laughs> um, uh, and, that, and that lasted a year, and then that subbing hub was disbanded. Yeah. So that was wow. the end of 2011. It's been constant flux, hasn't it, the last decade yeah. or so? Oh, all the time, all the time. And then, and then I, and I've been for an interview at the Worcester News for, mm. for a subbing job, and yeah. I didn't get it. But then it was, it was New Year's Eve, 2011 and my phone rang and I picked it up and it was the deputy editor of the Worcester News saying the person who we gave the job to has left would you like the job? Did that used to be called the Worcester Evening News because I, I did yeah, my work experience was, there when I was, was 15 like, I think. Yeah, 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 Worcester News, Worcester Evening News, Worcester yeah. News, it's just Worcester News now. But I, and he phoned me up and he said would you like a job? And I'm like well yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I started there, I was there for about three years and then I remember, I mean, this was a horrendous day. That this was one of the worst ones, really. And I remember they called us. There was a, there were sixteen of us on the on the subbing desk, and we used mm. to sub basically the Worcester News, Morgan Gazette, Evening Journal, Cotswold Journal, Kidderminster Shuttle, Dudley News, Stourbridge News, Reading well, Channel, big, big you know, patch. Yeah, loads. Hereford Times, you know, loads of all these papers. We used to we used to sub from this one room in Worcester. Sixteen of us. And um, wow. that's, not, that's, that's hard though, Mark, isn't it, for you to get a feel because the whole mm. point of local journalism is you're sort of oh, in, yeah. in it. But if you're in Worcester and Hereford's quite far west, yeah. and you go far north as well, you're not really connected to those communities, are you? Well, they sat, they then sacked us all and moved it all to Newport. Oh wow, <laughs> South Wales. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow. So that was even. So that was even. So that was and that was that one. And then I managed to get a job at the Echo uh, and Citizen again. Uh, yeah 2013 and i've been there ever since just and but even in that time you know there have been four or five the last one we had was earlier this year yes uh, when the, 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 we had a consultation earlier this year and you know it's it's very very difficult and, uh, and are, more, are you getting you know the modern parlance hits do you think as many people are reading the stories as were before when it was hard copy no. difficult to say it's difficult yeah. to say some of them some of them yes i mean you know there are stories that you know they but it's difficult to say really i don't mm. i don't actually i don't actually know that whether they are or not but I mean, you share a paper around in the old days as well wouldn't you so yeah. the whole family would read it oh, so yeah. it's, it's yeah, yeah, different yeah. I mean, back, back to pinkham days you know one person at maxton rugby club would go buy a copy of the pink and it would go through about <laughs> 40 pairs of hand mm. <laughs> not covid <laughs> not covid friendly these, these days no, no, <laughs> terrified no. yeah uh, but um, that's a difficult one, really. It's, but it's um, because the Guardian writes that on their website, don't they? And, they, and I've, I think I've contributed to the Guardian, and I've tried and contribute to Wikipedia as well because it's mm. my source of half my knowledge. But it's um, it's it's a it's a a conundrum. And you went back and going back to the, the top of the conversation, it was fascinating. You said that you you got it, we got it wrong at the start, and the media, in a yeah, sense, that I think we did. Yeah, that we I didn't. We did. Would it be charging per like click, or would it be charging for a subscription? What do you think the answer is? I suppose. I think so much a week or so much a month, I don't know, would, would, would work, you know, I think that would have worked at the time, you know. Yeah, because a lot of Google paying, stories. For example, if people are paying, people then were paying 60p a night, mm. probably for a paper, I don't know, maybe less, maybe 40, 50p a paper back then. I mean, the pink was, the pink was 80p when it went up to a pound, I remember. Mm. Uh, that was... When it stopped 2004. Mm. Um, we paid quite a lot a week, didn't we, in terms of paper? Yeah. So you're paying quite a lot for a paper anyway. You're buying a paper a week, you're paying £3. You're paying, so six so if you're doing six papers Monday to Saturday, you're buying, you're paying, a, you're paying 50p, 50p a night for a paper, you're paying £3. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. if you were charged on the internet kind of a week, you're not going to miss it. No. No. And, and the local paper does it does connect you. I suppose, particularly at this time, it, it connects mm. you to the community in an important way. I think mm. that we 
you can lose, can't you? Because I read, you know, yeah. some Gloucester, Gloucester Live stuff. And bizarrely, it's very, you know, the modern way I, I'll, I'll see your, you write, put a link up or John Palmer puts mm-hmm. a link up or a local journalist. Mm-hmm. I'll click through from Twitter or somewhere and yeah. or, go, or I'll Google the results and then I'll go yeah. for the link of, you know, whatever it might be. So it's, mm-hmm. it's strange mm-hmm. that the way we enter it, that we're not doing it in a coherent way because we, but we are losing some of that rounded information you'd get in a newspaper because I'm just accessing the football results. I'm not looking at yeah. other community news. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think back in sort of the 90s, mid 90s, when it all came about, that people knew what the impact was going to be and how, I think people, I think some people thought it was, oh, it's just a fad. It's not going to, yeah. it's not going to take off, you know, yeah. it'll be here today, gone tomorrow sort of thing. But, and, and that's what I just, my, my opinion is that they got it wrong. If they'd have mm. charged three pound a week or... Ten pound a month or something for a subscription. Mm. You know, we don't know would the impact on print titles have been so great. Yeah, we we don't know. We can't we can't tell that. And you know, would over the next sort of twenty years or so, would I have had to say goodbye to some fantastic colleagues who I've worked with who mm. you know have, have been have been victims of it. You know, and, yeah. You know, I've, you know some of the some of the people that I've worked with, brilliant journalists, brilliant you know, brilliant people, and you know they've been they've 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 lost their jobs you know over over that time. I've been, as I say, I've been extremely lucky. I mean now, put it this way, um, when I was sports editor, I was married sports editor in two thousand, so twenty years ago, I had eight journalists on my sports. Wow, it's fantastic. And the Echo, which was then open quotes a rival newspaper had six <laughs> so there yeah. were 14 there were 14 sports journalists on the two major newspapers yeah. in Gloucestershire and, and, and now as you say copies going around the country like Ash was saying you know it's been put his sort of copies going out in the sun but he's not getting name checked but he's, he's having yeah. to provide content for you know global audience you know four, we have as I say between the two between the two newspapers there were 14 sports journalists wow and they, all, and they were all good, you know, they were all very good. And they're living here, they were part of it, they knew the stories and knew the players, knew the managers, didn't they? Which... Oh, unbelievable. You know, I had, you know, we had somebody, we had somebody who, had, who covered Lydney Rugby Club and she did a fantastic job. You know, she, mm. she knew, you know, she, she travelled with the team, they, you know, and, you know, and, you know, Gloucester Rugby Club, uh, people covered, you know, someone covering them, we had somebody covering Forest Green, I had somebody covering sort of the, like the local football, we had somebody covering Gloucester City, mm. you know, and you know, so we'd we'd have it all, we'd have it all nailed down. We had it all, we had it all. Beat, there, beat journalists, know? weren't they? Proper beat yeah. journalists, yeah. Yeah, mm. yeah. And they go to the games, they go to the training, they, you know, and, and you know, and, and we'd we'd have it all, and we'd you know, we'd have we'd have it all nailed down really, and it was, mm. it was, it was. We all, we all, I think we all suffer from it ultimately, don't we? If, if we're consumers of media, of journalism, or we are journalists, practitioners ourselves, because actually what's happened, as you say, with the, the cuts and you say the reducing circles of, uh, of amount of people employed, that you're now in Newport covering something up near Birmingham as a, a local paper. It's, yeah. You haven't got that connection. So the quality suffers. So people are less likely to, to, to want that content. But I feel like in a way, we think the internet's a huge opportunity and it was sold to us mm. as a, a wonderful expanse. But I wonder whether we are getting, getting a dearth of, of quality because you're not able to employ professionals to deliver the content I now. It's so. almost like we're, we're, we're a tipping point at the moment, aren't we? Some of it, you know, you, you know I read things on the, some of the stuff. on the big, I mean, anybody can, anybody can put something on the internet and say they're a journalist. Mm. You, know, you, know, you, can, you know, you can start a blog and you can say, oh, I'm a journalist. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. To you, but you know, uh, there is a training you know, process in place yeah, for a reason, I mean, isn't there? I often, I often sit there and think, right, would I like to be a trainee now? You know, would I like to be one of John Palmer's, you know, mm. class at uh, University of Gloucestershire? Um, in some ways, I think yes, and in some ways, I think no. You know. Mm. <laughs> Well, you might end up, yeah, you might end up writing copy, as you say, in a room somewhere, sort of never getting out yeah. to a game and, and just... Yeah, I mean, would, I think that when there's more opportunities, probably now, because there's more outlets. Mm. You know, like, you know, in my, you know, when I started off, football clubs weren't employing seven or eight people in, in a media office. 
Yeah. Who so didn't have it? They didn't have it. You know. <laughs> well, that, that, that was the that was the enemy though, wasn't it? A little bit in journalism. Oh. You you're kind of uh, the, that's I the partisan job. I worked at MUTV and that for a little bit, and that was difficult, even yeah. as a Man U fan. <laughs> yeah, it's it's it, it, it's not. I mean, in some ways, I can see, you know you know but uh, for somebody who's a bit old school like me, it's not. I don't like it, you know, because. Mm. You know, nineteen. You know, I used to. I just used to phone Terry Cooper up. Yeah. You know, just pick the phone up. Hi, Terry. How are you? Mm. you know, no, no, no. Press officer telling me what I could ask. No press officer saying, "Oh, you know, oh, yeah, the press conference is at half past nine. You know, none of that. Mm. You know, you could just phone. You know, I'd go, and then once a week, I'd go. I'd go to both. I'd, you know, I'd go to Exeter and see Terry, and I'd go to Torquay and see. I mean, whoever the manager was then, it started off as Cyril Knowles, actually, the old um, okay. um, to Spurs in England yeah, play. Wow. He was the first manager I, I dealt with. But, at, um, but also, your, your job as a journalist is to ask the questions on behalf of the mm. fans, perversely. So what yeah. the fans don't want is another fan sugarcoating everything for them that's mm. in the employee of the club. To a certain extent, don't be wrong, maybe clubs as they develop are going to be more open and more open to sort of tough mm. questions in those scenarios. Mm. And, I know a lot of the clubs obviously have their own media outlets, but you think if you just, yeah. if it's a, if it's state, it's effectively like state media, isn't it? Everything's great. Yeah. You know, we've lost 10 in a row, but everything's on the up. Yeah, I know. I remember what, I think I remember once, one club, I think it was, it might have been Swindon Town. I think mm. they got relegated and they didn't actually put on their website that they'd been relegated. <laughs> I mean, it, I may have got the club wrong. I apologize, yeah. I apologize, but, you know, I think, I think that's right. And you, you think to yourself, what? Who are, you, who are you trying to fool? Who are you trying to kid? Yeah. You know, but it, it, it is more difficult now to, um, I think it is more difficult now because it is so sanitised and, you know, you, you can't, you can't have, you know, I mean, I remember when I was at Plymouth, um, I was at Plymouth when Peter Shilton was manager of Plymouth and I was on, mm. on, the, on the Eden Herald then. Legend, you know, yeah. We used to just phone him up. We used, you know, we used to, he had a he had a holiday home on the South Devon coast where he used to stay quite a lot of the time when he was when he was down there. Mm. And he just we just phoned him up nine o'clock <laughs> in the morning, bang, hi oh, Peter, how are you doing yet? Yeah, any injuries? Blah blah blah, you know. Yeah, nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah, you get a, you get a connection and understanding, and the and the readers benefit yeah. from that. Yeah. And that as well. It's interesting you mentioned Swindon there because I remember them as a a kid being a Premier League team briefly. Yeah. And yeah. you mentioned Watford, of course, that, that meteoric mm. rise. We've had clubs like Bournemouth mm. uh, of late. What do you think when you survey the local landscape? Because there has been a rising tide. You mentioned Forest Green coming up, Cheltenham coming yeah. up. What are, the, oh, what, I mean, what, what, the, what are the limits? What is there possible for a sort of Cinderella story, as the Americans would say, up, up the division? Um, I think you've got to have money, haven't you? I think you've got yeah. to have money. I mean, you look, at, you look at the clubs that have come from non-league, Fleetwood Town, Mm. Salford City. I mean, would Salford City have been a football league club, but for no. the class of '92? The answer is no. Yes, and the, and the publicity that they brought upon it as well. Yeah. Let's be let's be blatantly honest about it. Would Salford City be a, a football league club if they didn't have that money? Mm. Would Fleetwood Town be in the football league if Andy Pilly hadn't put all that money? Yeah. I mean, um, Salford's a particularly competitive patch as well, isn't it? You've got yeah. a couple of mega clubs, but I suppose around here you haven't maybe, so maybe one club can, no. can strike then up. Then you have the Burton Albion, the Burton Albions of this world, the mm. Wickham Wanderers of this world, who've made it to the championship perhaps without that massive amount. Look at Accrington Stone. Mm. You, know, you know, I don't think Andy Holt's put in huge millions and millions of pounds into Accrington Stanley. I mean, you read his Twitter feed and you say that he's most certainly not doing that. <laughs> It was, it was that milk advert in the early 90s that's done it for exactly. put them on the map, didn't it? Yeah. yeah, exactly. But so there are clubs that can, can buck that trend. Yeah. Um, personally, I think Cheltenham can be a League One club. Mm. You know, I think they can be a League One club. Whether they could break that ceiling, one, I mean, Cheltenham have been in League One, they were in League One for four seasons in total, and it was a struggle. Mm. But I don't see any reason why Cheltenham can't. Get into League One and stabilise at League One level. Have they got a bigger scope fan base wise than Forest Green? Yeah, I did see that. Yeah, I think I, I think they have. I think they have. I mean, Forest Green, you know, um, you know, they've they've done very well. But again, it's it, it, you know, would they be there if if Dale hadn't put put the money in that he's that he's put in? And you know, and, and he's 
you know, he's a, he's a very clever man. You know, his, his marketing is brilliant. You know, yeah, yeah, that's, a, that's what I expected. Of football club yeah. and yeah. using 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 your football club as he does to push his message of, you know, green energy, sustainability. Mm. Um, you know, the non-animal products. Yeah, yeah, all that all that sort of stuff. To to use the football club as he is to to push that message and to help and sort of nudge that message along. You know, you look at the publicity, you know, the Hector Bellerin thing, you know, becoming a shareholder. They, mm. uh, was it they've done the other day? Or something other, they've launched green, you know, vegan bovril. <laughs> wow, wow. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds is buying Wrexham as well, so it's a bit of a competition, isn't it? The stuff stuff like that. Celebrity. I mean, you know, you, 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 have to, you have to respect him. I mean, I respect him for that. The way he, you, the way he markets his, yeah. his, his, his message and uses the football club in that way they're going well aren't they they're up there at yeah, the top, and they, and they, the top. And they're going well and you know and and, and you know and they could i mean wouldn't it be great if both if both of those teams were in league one next season wouldn't mm. it be fantastic i mean i'm just pleased that we beat them finally the <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it feeds the local community doesn't it as well that that rivalry in a sense let's say the rise yeah. tide lifts all boats i think it would it makes suddenly people in Cheltenham more aware and people in, oh, yeah, yeah. in stroud more I mean, aware and nailsworth I mean, it, it's something that's evolved over the years. I mean, back in the day, it was Gloucester City. Gloucester yeah. City in Cheltenham Town was a massive rivalry in the sort of 1980s and 90s, and then until Cheltenham got into the league in 99. Mm. I mean, there was the, the that season when Cheltenham got into the conference, 90s, I want to say 90, 97, 97, 98, I may be wrong, maybe season yeah. out. But it was, Gresley Rovers won the league by a mile, but couldn't go up. So it was the race for second place between Cheltenham Town and Gloucester City. Wow. It was, it was incredible. It yeah. was incredible. And Gloucester, and it came to the final day, Cheltenham were away to Burton Albion. Gloucester yeah. were at home to Souls. Gloucester were at home to Salisbury. And uh, it shows you where Burton Albion's gone, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Cheltenham drew nil nil at Burton Albion and missed a penalty. Oh, Gloucester oh. lost 3 1 at home to Salisbury. Mm. Cheltenham went up. Gloucester stayed down. Sliding doors moment. Mm. <laughs> but Gloucester City are actually resurgent at the moment, aren't they? They've got back. Yes, they are. It's great. It's great to see. It really is. I mean, even as you know, it is great to see. You know, I covered. You know, when I was sports editor, they had all sorts of financial problems, and you know, two or three times in the season, we ran a you know save the tigers campaigns and all this sort of stuff. And mm. you know, it's great to see. I mean, uh, you know. There are a lot of people who said, oh, they'll never build a new ground, they'll never manage it. And I was probably one of them at, at times, but all credit to them for doing it. I, I, I'm looking forward to going there one time. And they're playing in the nation, they're playing the National League North, are they? Which National is League North. And they're a lot top of journeys of for them, though, isn't it? That's a bit that's yeah, tough. Top of it at the moment. Yeah. yeah we've got in the Southern League, uh, Division One South, we've got Sirencester Town but on top at the moment. So, oh, nice. you know, there's... There's, there's football all over the county and there's, 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 a, lot of, there's a lot of good, progressive football clubs yeah. in the county so you, you know and they, those guys have been able to get fans up until this month have they at Gloucester yeah, they have yeah and yeah. now of course and Siren. They're, they're, um, they've been stopped so sort of mm. from that level down they can't play until the 2nd of December mm. but um, yeah, I mean there's you know the football the local football scene in, in Gloucestershire is, is, is good and there's a lot of interest in it mm. you know there's a lot of there's a lot of um the, city, the Gloucester City need to steal rugby fans, though. Is that the key to getting getting up the leagues? For I'm looking, I mean, you know, because when when City played at the Old Meadow Park before it before it went, you know, they were getting crowds of seven, eight hundred to a thousand. Yeah, you know, and that dropped off, of course, because you know, people, you know, it dropped off to the real die-hard hardcore, and I have such respect for those guys who followed their team to. When they were playing at Forest Green, when they were playing at Sirencester, when they were playing at Cheltenham, when they were playing at Evesham, yeah. Evesham you know, and they yeah. still go there every week. I mean, how soul destroying must that have been after 10, 12, 13 years of not playing at mm. uh, a long I mean, hike from Gloucester to Evesham? Yeah, exactly. But I'm interested to see how, you know, when they are finally allowed crowds in, what those crowds are. Yeah. You know, I'm, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, it's a big, it's, it's a decent sized city now, Gloucester, isn't it? It's a pretty yeah. Nice place. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see them getting four figure crowds mm. when the uh, when 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 the crowds are allowed back in, you know. And who knows? They could they could they could get to the football league as well, and we could have three football league clubs in 
in this tiny little county, which would be, uh, yeah. which would be yeah. quite incredible, really. And you know, who knows, it, it could happen in the next five or ten years. And wouldn't that be, I think it'd be fantastic. I really yeah. Fantastic for local media to cover it, and hopefully we, we find mm. a way. Almost still with the, with the media that we kind of we almost go into a ground zero and then build ourselves back up. Do you feel like that locally? I don't know whether you get that sense that maybe that once it's gone, that there's an appetite for it that perhaps yeah. you can rebuild oh, I think so. a new format so. where people have to pay for it. Like, yeah. oh, I've missed all this content, so now I have to yeah. pay for this report or whatever. Yeah, I think so. I'd, I'd like to hope so. Yeah, mm. I'd, like, I'd like to hope that would uh, I'd like to hope that would be the case that um, you know people would be you know get really be you know infused by it yeah and you're hopeful mark that we get the fans in in the spring and we these clubs can survive and we can yeah go again i, I really i really hope we can get fans back in i mean having been at you know having been you know commentating on several children games it's just it's surreal but it's not if i'm being absolutely honest it's not much fun Mm. <laughs> it's not. Seems, yeah, I saw Will, I saw Will Boyle in town, and I think it, it felt a bit of a struggle. He said to sometimes not not that he's not doing no, a professional I can, job, I can, but I can understand that. I can understand that because you know, you know, I I turn up at a game. You know, you you walk in, and you know, by the time I've reached the sort of commentary point, you know, I've I've, I've had ten or fifteen people come up to me saying, "How are we going to do today? What's the team going to be? Yeah. Are we going to win? Yeah. They're not bad, these are they? You know, and that sort of thing. And Smell the chips, the beer, the beer in the yes, stale beer in the air, and all that stuff. Yeah. That. And, you know, and the, you know, like Saturday against, you know, the Forest Green game, you know, it's just, you know, the Forest Green game with no fans. I mean, you think to yourself, you know, I sat after the game and thought, God, imagine what it should have been like with 6,000 people in the ground, you know. Mm. Can go 2 0 up, the home fans are going mad. Forest Green get one back, their fans are up for it. And after 50 years, they're putting all the pressure on their fans are behind that goal. They're giving it loads. And, oh, you yeah. Know, oh, are you, were you commentating for BBC Gloucestershire? Yes, I do. Yes. Um, who's the editor? Who's the editor there now? I did one game for them back in around two thousand and five. Um, mainly at BBC Paul Furley is the Paul Furley is the sort of main man on on the sports side. Yeah. Um, uh, Ian Randall was the man before, and he's yeah, sort of that rings a bell. Knocking around, and it was Ian and Paul who sort of sort of got me into it really uh, a decade ago uh, while I was doing my sort of freelance spell. Mm. Um, and uh, you know, I've been doing it, doing it ever since. Really enjoy it, um, and uh, you know, and, and it, it's 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 good fun, you know. And uh, mm. I once covered once covered Redditch United for uh, for BBC Hereford and Worcester. So yeah, you get well, connected yeah. to things that people do. Really? I nearly, yeah, I nearly got a job there once. And I went for an interview there for for a, for a job. Well, well, have you ever were you ever tempted to go to the big city and the, the big papers, or you, especially being a Watford boy? Um, yes, I was. Uh, I just. In some ways, I feel like I missed the boat, really, in, in, in that scenario. Whether I could have, you know, whether I should have just taken the plunge a few years ago and, mm. and done that, you know, but, you know. It's then, a quality of life thing as well, though, isn't there? there's a quality. I, got, I got married and, you know, kids came along and you just thought, well, and then, well. <laughs> but know, it's a beautiful part of the world as well, you know, living in a flat in London is not attractive. Yeah, when you, when no, I love it here. You know, so I lived here for 40, for 40 Three of my fifty-four years, so you know it's uh, it's a, it's a great uh, it's a great place to be, and it's 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 you know it's difficult, you know. Mm. I, I yeah, I mean, if somebody had said to me, "Oh, do you want to go?" You know, yeah, I tried, you know, I, I, I applied for jobs at you mm. know bigger papers and and things like that, but just never got the uh, never got the nod. So you know, you just you just carry on with with with, with what you're doing. You know, I try not to have regrets you know you no, try not but, to yeah, you, think, um, oh what if i'd done that what if but I'd you, done yeah that? and you've been able to carve out a prominent position and a position no, of trust in this community know. because of that long longevity and, and that connection to the community which you don't have a, a national paper do you and i think what watford's a fascinating place mark isn't it because I, i've been there <laughs> a few times. It's, it, we used to cover it when i was a, i did a bit of work for bbc three counties who are based in luton mm -hmm. and they'd cover it yeah. Harpeture. And then when I went yeah. to BBC London, they would cover it because it was yeah. on the outskirts of London. So yeah. it's, it's kind of like almost lacks a sort of identity in a way. It's betwixt. I get uh, I get very annoyed when people say it's in London. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. Really, it really does. I mean, you ask any of my, you ask any of my friends uh, what happens if somebody says called Watford a London club. It's, yeah. Uh, all those places around the M25 are tricky, aren't they? Because they're sort of like... It grinds, it grinds, sure my, gears, it grinds my gears a bit. Honestly. But uh, no, I mean, I say... I watched my first game there. I must have been about hmm, six or seven. 
you know, so sort of talking early 70s and, you know, crowds of about 1,500 and mm. bottom of Division 4. <laughs> it's just wow. Wow. unbelievable. And, you know, I, I, I've had some good moments watching Watford. I mean, 84 Cup final, I was, at, I was there. And uh, I remember uh, the last game, the last game that me and my me and my late dad ever went to was the playoff final in '99 when they beat Bolton three 0 Wow! Uh, you look at the um, the Nick Wright overhead kick was was the famous goal from two 0 I think. When, Must be on YouTube yeah. now, is it? So. The Nick, yeah, look at uh, have a look at Nick Wright's overhead kick from from that game. It's one of the best goals you've wow. ever seen. I tell you uh, who covers tell you who covers Watford now. Just to, sorry to interrupt. Adam, Adam Leventhal, my uh, I read his stuff. I mean, yeah. I love it. I mean. The Athletic, I, I subscribe to The Athletic. I think I think The Athletic is fantastic. Is that and, positive, uh, you think, for journalism? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, I read, I, I devour, I devour Adam's stuff mm. on, on Watford. It's, I, think he's, I think it's fantastic. And, uh, yes, if you that see... That could be a model for local papers as well, because I know they've stolen, yeah. they've poached a lot of local journalists, and they, and they haven't, mm. um, and they don't do match reports, though. So there's an avenue no, for local No, I, I mean, some of the pieces he's done, you know, I read I read a piece, you know, I read a piece the other day about um, uh, the other week. It was about you know Troy Deeney's impact and you know the, mm. all these charts and all this, and it was it was fascinating. It was really, you know, it's stuff that you don't get anywhere else. You know, you, get, you, you give to, you pay someone and give them time to create yeah. something quality, yeah. isn't it? So it's less clickbaity because yeah. that's a problem. Clickbaity is an issue with the internet, as well, isn't it? We're always trying to get attention, it but it's not necessarily quality. It it's it's. You know, and, it, it, I get I get really frustrated about you know people who you know for want of a better word slag off my colleagues and say you know oh it's all clickbait oh it's not real news you know um, but then I just turn around and say to them well if people weren't reading it they yeah. wouldn't put it up yeah it's yeah. as simple as that and if you, you know, get if you get a subscription base, you're then not as concerned by the number of readers exactly. that you can. The fact, that, yeah. the fact that you don't want to read it mm. doesn't mean that other people don't. No. You know, the fact that you don't want to read about whatever it is, you know, and it's always you know, sometimes it's, it's like a Pavlov dog though, isn't it? When I see what does this celebrity look like now? And you're like, Oh, I'll click on this and see what the celebrity is like. I'm oh, not what am I doing? This is encouraging the yes, worst exactly. kind of content. Exactly. Yeah. You, yeah. you must, you must have, you must get get this sometimes as well. Oh, slow news day, you know, and all this yeah, sort of stuff. Yeah, and, oh, yeah. People, always, people always have a go at me about the subscription for Sky and stuff. I'm like, well, yeah. I'm, I'm not in charge of that stuff. It's not yeah, your fault. We've got, we're not immune to that. I mean, we've got the huge, you know, yeah. digital out arm at Sky, but then actually we have, you know, the subscription model for the TV still mm. funds a lot of it, mm. as far as I know, because mm. the advertising online, as you know, isn't necessarily commensurate with with the attention no. it gets. So you might get a lot of hits, but it doesn't always lead to, to much mm. revenue, for, especially if you're trying to support a team of journalists. So it's, it's tricky to yeah, I mean, pay everyone's health insurance and stuff. Um, yeah, it's just, it's difficult for everybody, really. Yeah. And um, it's, I find that, um, as I say, I keep going back to it. If if I, I'm I, my feeling is that if papers had had, had put a paywall up in the in the late nineties, mm. that that the whole industry would be in a healthier position than it is. Now. Yeah, I think and I think I think you still yeah. you still have got you know you still have had the internet boom, you still have had all these opportunities for people, mm. you still have had Sky Sports, you still have had BT Sport, mm. you still have had all these fantastic. Um, you know, the athletics, I think, would still have had a place. You'd have still had, a, you'd have still had all of these um, amazing opportunities for people. Yeah. But I just feel that the whole industry would have been in a healthier position. I mean, you know, social media has allowed everybody to have a platform and everybody to have an opinion. Yeah. And there are some good things and there are some, some, yeah, they're generally not generally not covering sports to an in-depth level like a local journalist would. That's the thing. They're sort of opinion stuff rather than, than quality. But Mark, I really appreciate your time. It'd be great to speak. We'll no have problem, to do it, do it again soon. Are you going to yeah. Cheltenham? Are you going to Cheltenham playing the under twenty ones? Norwich is under twenty. Yes, yes, I'm right, on yeah. duty for that one. Yes, uh, six o'clock kickoff tonight. So yeah, on duty for for that one. Uh, see uh, the Papa John's Trophy. 
Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, right, nice. <laughs> Do you have pizza, hoping, the pizza around, is there or down there? Well, I'm hoping, you know, hoping that I might get me tea while I'm there, you know. So hoping that nice. there might be a, the, odd, the odd free sample on the on show. Not not overly hopeful, but you never know. <laughs> yeah, local jailers. I remember getting like ice local ice cream parlors would bring in their latest flavour and stuff and things like that. It was always uh, I remember once we went, to, we went to Wimbledon, I think it was AFC Wimbledon, I think it was. And they were launching a they were having a one of the, it was at King's Meadow and one of the stands was being sponsored by a local Chinese restaurant and they gave us all some noodles before the game. Oh beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> which was uh, well, which was which was good fun. Well, I wish you the best of luck with the pizza tonight, Mark. Stay in touch. I yeah. hope to get this up before Thanks, the game so people will be uh, across you tonight listening to that or yeah. um, or following your social media updates. And, and we'll speak to you soon. Really good to get your insight. Thanks. It's been a no fantastic problem. career. And, and uh, let's stay in touch and speak again soon. Yeah, thanks very much. Enjoyed it. Thanks. Thank you, Mark. Fantastic. Great stuff. No worries, Brilliant. Oh, great to speak to Mark Hallowell. Tempted to tune into BBC Gloucestershire this evening, Tuesday the 10th of November, if you listen to this before the game. Cheltenham Town against Norwich's under-21s in the EFL Trophy. Not sure if Forest Green are in action tonight, but great to get his take on, on their rise, both clubs, and also Gloucester City. A lot of optimism abounds around another local club, and arguably you'd think on paper we've had the biggest potential being in Gloucester, the biggest populace in terms of population around here in Metropolis, but they've got that hulking premiership rugby club Gloucester and a big part of uh, culture here in, in the west of England is, is rugby union I suppose maybe it's connected to Wales I'm not sure the Celtic kind of area of the world certainly the southwest of England is big big for rugby union now as well with Exeter doing well in Bristol and uh, this kind of part of the world Bath and Gloucester but Mark you're fascinated to get his insight on the evolution of journalism and what an intriguing career span as well for him to I guess, emerged from journalism college in the old world of newspapers, which we said have been sort of institutions in local communities for hundreds of years. That's no, no exaggeration at that point. And then with a constant flux, the internet expansion, the, the sort of, I guess, total consumption of the internet content and how now we're all on our phones and consuming that content rather than buying local papers, but where it leads us when no one is able to fund journalists to cover these local clubs, to provide the content, the match reports, who want the features, very interesting to get his insights, how he sees the Athletic as a positive development. But they don't do, as far as I know, match reports, the Athletic, which a lot of people criticise. And I think that's often, even if you have the result, you want a considered report from a journalist who's close to the club, who knows the players, who knows the club and the way they play, and is a sort of intelligent football brain and a, and a good communicator in the written word. So it's, it's interesting where he goes. And I think he does feel optimistic at the end, or sounded optimistic, which is good for all of us, because ultimately, I guess, we have to pay the piper as consumers and choose what we subscribe to. And we're, we're doing that with Netflix and Sky Sports and BT Sport and everything else. But I suppose it is just working out that what value we assign to that and what they can put a price on it. Uh, and I hope we do, because I think we have a, an internet full of content, but not necessarily quality or insightful content. That's the issue, right? It's, 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 a, it's a fascinating conundrum that's been, I guess, uh, absorbing me and other journalists since I graduated in 2005 worked for a local newspaper my first job in the United States and I don't know whether that's still there I'll have to check it out the Logan Daily News in Ohio I'll, uh, I'll look that up but thank you for listening to the podcast thank you to the sponsors Bang Olufsen of Cheltenham and Serene AV specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands providing solutions based around high quality customer service and installations check out B&O Cheltenham on Instagram and Twitter get in contact with the proprietor Jason Briggs through there and at cytoplan.co.uk if you're looking to optimize your immunity whether it's COVID concerns or just general health, which is important. I think that's highlighted the important generally, isn't it? Preemptive health measures looking to boost your, your vitamin levels, whatever it might be. Go to cytoplan.co.uk, C-Y-T-O-P-L-A-N.co.uk. And my discount code is DRAPER10R-D-R-A-P-E-R, all capital letters, then the capital letter R. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you want to follow me on social media, let me know what you make of it. Ed Draper 81 on Twitter ed underscore draper 81 on instagram i hope you enjoyed it and if you did if you could rate it on itunes pass comment there that would be fantastic and all helps in terms of creating some momentum around this i hope you find the, the content <laughs> modern word useful and this is obviously a kind of example of the wonders of the modern technology that i can do this and speak to mark and get it up within an hour really so i think that's fascinating compared to the newspaper days where he said we had people scalpeling errors off and, and things like that and putting it through a printing press how things have changed, but maybe not for the better always. Thank you for listening, guys. Have a good day. Bye for now.